for those of you that are listening and watching, one of the great things about dripping is when you reinvest the dividends automatically is that it forces you to buy more of something when the price is low and less of it when the price is high. And you don't even have to think about it. Hey, what's up, everybody? We are once again back with, dude, a listener, a viewer, a watcher. He's a watcher, just like all of us. He's not a content creator. You can find him on Twitter. It's SCHD Stand back on the channel again for, what is this, the third time? Third time, yes. Yeah, third time. Third time's a charm. Hell yeah. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about what you're buying what's on your watch list, and you're going to give us an SCHD update for a nice little chat here. So uh, just, dude, roll right the hell right into it. What have you been buying as of late? I, and we talked about it before. What I always try to do is find really great companies. And when they, you know, something happens and the stock price drops for some weird reason, and usually when it's a good company, they end up coming back. So right now, it's funny because I bought a share today of a couple of these companies. Um, one was Deer, and I've just started with this. It was a new position for me. And I bought a sh one share today to drop down again. It dropped after earnings on, you know, on Outlooks. You know, the interest rates have really hurt their sales. You know, they sell big equipment, so people need to take out loans to buy it. So with these high interest rates, it's affected them. But, you know, we're long-term investors. I'm a long-term investor. That's not gonna be that way all the time. They're using AI and they're, they're putting all this stuff in their equipment. Um, that's only going to grow their margins. It's going to, you know, it's going to make them more popular. I think it's a nice opportunity right now, you know, because it's come down in price. They just raised their dividend, right? And they raised their dividend. Yeah, I mean, they have an excellent track record of their dividend too. They've um, their five-year growth rate is fourteen percent right now. They pay a smaller dividend. It's it's a grower. It's a you know, 1.6 kind of percentage right now. But that means that the the share price has room to grow usually too. When you get those smaller dividend payers, a lot of times those are the companies not only going to grow their dividend, but they're going to grow, uh, the, the share price is going to grow as well. So it, it's a nice one. You know, I think a lot of the, the fear about interest rates and that sort of thing is already built into the price right now. I could be wrong, but it looks looks good to me right now. So I'm I'm testing it out. I bought a few shares and we'll see how it goes. Deer's a grower, not a shower. I was thinking that, but I didn't say it. <laughs> we say it, man. We'll let it fly here. Let the freak flag um, fly. Another one I like is uh, Lowe's. Lowe's is one of my favorite stocks. It's in my. It's always on my watch list. It's kind of in my top ten. I like companies that have a really strong return on invested capital. And if you look into Lowe's, Lowe's has like a forty-six percent return on invested capital. It's incredible. It's basically saying that all the money that is invested in the company, that's the return they get on that money. It's like that's amazing. That even means that you could probably pay more and still it'll still work out. Um, you know, if you buy, even if you're buying higher, it's a quality, it's a sign of quality. So, and it's been down in the 200 kind of range. I, I look at lows when it's under 200, it's a good value. And I try to buy in the low, like 190s, cause I already have a, my price. You know, you talk about that all the time. You get anchored to a price, right? And I think my average cost is, is under 190, 187 yeah. or something like that. So I try to get back down. I'm trying to, I'm trying to change and try to say, if I've got a good company, I can buy it when it's over. You got to add to it at some point. It's a good company, right? Dude, Warren, Warren Buffett, you know, he that's one of his mistakes he's used in the past is he said he's bought a company, but he has that price, that intrinsic value. And when it's gone a little bit above that, he would stop buying and he regrets not paying a little bit more for those quality companies. And yeah, dude, Lowe's, 62 year dividend growth streak. That's pretty uh, surprising. And it's funny, I, I do a lot of construction type work for my job. And usually it's Menards or Home Depot 
but I've been, you know, I've been going to Lowe's a little yeah, bit more. It's a, it's a staple for folks who need, you know, it's like Home, De- Home Depot, Lowe's, you know, you can go either way. And Home Depot is a great one too. There's so much Home Depot already in SEHD. I tend to focus on Lowe's just to differentiate a little bit, right? But there's very similar. Dude, that dividend growth for Lowe's, uh, 20% right. five-year CAGR and a 25% 20-year CAGR. They're starting to look like my next star media up in this. Uh, right, they look good. The, start, the starting yield is around, is just over two. So it's, it's it's decent, not not high, but decent. And like we said before, those are the kind that, that have the capital growth as well. Yeah, and actually, I'll add one more thing. Uh, one of the things I like to look at when I'm buying a stock, and this is just just a warm and fuzzy, this is by no means a be all end all, is when the dividend yield is above the five-year average and the forward price to earnings ratio is below the five-year average. And as you can see on the screen right now, both of those four lows indeed are in that position. So just just one more little thing, obviously, something to, to help you along to maybe push you over the edge like somebody like me to buy something more so how many shares of Lowe's do you have or how big of a position is it yeah so Lowe's I've got uh, I've got just over 20 shares and uh, yeah whenever it kind of gets a little under 200 I try to buy a few more and that's that's the way I look at things I kind of have like a a target price and if it hits that price I try to look I look quickly and see hey is this something that's going to affect them long term or is this just noise that's happening right now and if it's not something long term um, that it's time to buy when those, when they hit your target prices. So how hard and fast are you on that rule? Like, does it have to be under? Cause I'll, I'll get in that trap. I'll be like, if it's a penny above 200, I got to wait. And I've been burned before. So have you ever had that happen? I've been you- burned on a lot on that too. So yeah, I've become way more flexible, especially when it's a nice, a quality company. Like I remember, uh, I was trying to buy Apple years ago and it was, it was like, pennies away from my target and I was waiting and waiting and waiting and it didn't get there. And we're talking when it was like $88 per share, like before a split, like, so it's up like 200% since then. And then I, it never ended up coming back down. So the next time it came back anywhere near, and it was, now we're talking 120s, that's, and I just loaded up then, you know, and it now, you know, look at it now, 195. So, uh, and you know, these prices are going to go up and down all the time. You see it now, you're like, wow, look how high it is. But, you know, there's going to be some that comes along and it'll get back down. It could get back down to 140. Like, it happens, guys. Like, it, it happens. So I wait patiently. The opportunity, right? Right. If, if As long as there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the foundation of the business or that, or it could be your thesis for buying. If your thesis for buying or the reason you bought any stock is still intact, if that price goes... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
goes down, baby. That's a good opportunity to add more. I've got a couple other ones I'm buying right now. Is um, UPS? It's had some trouble lately. It's a, its yield has gone up to uh, over four percent right now. And it has a five-year dividend growth rate of 13%. That's a really nice looking combo. And you know, if things are going to be all right for them going forward, like this is a really great opportunity. Like right now in December, right now it's, it's trading for like in the 155s, like it's been down to low 150s. Um, so I've been, I've been grabbing a few shares of that. It's another one that's in SCHD already, but you know, when there's a good company that's, I'll double down on some good companies that are in there. And I like the fact that it's past the filters that SCHD has for free cash flow and low debt and dividend growth and that sort of thing as well. So it's a kind of another sign of quality for me. So I don't mind. Quality it is, dude. It looks like they're getting ready for another dividend increase. The last one was in January of 2023, 6.6%. So look out, they're probably going to be raising that dividend next month as of when we're recording this. And dude, they've been growing that dividend for 13 years and 24 years of uninterrupted for uh, UPS. Uh, how long have you been buying UPS? UPS, let's go check it out. One bugaboo while you're looking on that is, as you can see on the screen, their free cash flow payout ratio is at 99% the last 12 months. That's a little bit higher than it has historically been. I don't really follow UPS that close. It does look like it's projected to drop down to about 82% from what analysts are forecasting. But do you know what does that have to do with that labor dispute? Like the strike that was that affecting them? I, I wonder. It could it could be. Yeah. I mean there's definitely something going on and this is not one where I'm buying a ton, but it definitely it just it looks like a good opportunity. And this long term I just I think UPS is going to be around. There's a cycle that happens with them, right? And like right now they're going to get really busy through the Christmas period. So their next quarter will probably be pretty good, right? With what's happening unless it's unless it's a down Christmas, which I I don't think it has been, right? I think so far so good. Yeah, they have massive return on equity and return on invested capital too. Just just knocking it. It looks stupid. Their uh, return on equity, especially they're at 47% the last 12 months, which is really good. And that is really below what they've been doing as of late, as you guys see on the screen, unless you're listening on the podcast, you got to get to a TV and turn on YouTube and look, but Anyway, so you're going to tell us how many you got. Oh, yeah. So I actually bought a share today, <laughs> December 12th, and I only have uh, eight shares right now. So you know, it's a smaller position. I've got a lot of big positions, so uh, you know, need some smaller ones there too to start. What's your, big, what's your biggest position? As far as individuals, of course, SEHD is my number one, but uh, as far as individual companies, it would be Apple. Apple's a pretty good size for me. Again, like because of that lesson I talked about, when I missed the price, when I was so strict on trying to wait for it. When I got another opportunity, when it came down, I really did take advantage of it. He keeps learning everybody. That's his trick. I try. <laughs> I try. I make tons <laughs> of mistakes like <laughs> we all do, but I really, you know, I've been investing like this on my own since about 2018. So I've made tons of mistakes. So <clears throat> you do need to learn. And I listen to, absolutely. I read a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube videos, and there's good information there and there's bad information there. And you got to learn to, to sort through all of that. And then you got to learn some of your own kind of style. Like you were saying, you know, are you strict with certain rules you have? And I've learned to be a little more loose because maybe that rule I have isn't, is it even really a good rule? Like it might not be the greatest rule. So sometimes you got to be a little more flexible. And I do watch the market a lot. So I just kind of, sometimes I get a feeling like, you know, this might be the last chance to get this while it's low because something good is coming. Like, or 
I'm going to wait because it feels like things are really bad and things are going to get worse. But what I always try to remember is that things can't get worse forever. They typically do get better. And I think people need to remember that, that like a lot of the news we listen to, all that stuff is all about attention and they're always trying to scare you. But generally the world gets better. The world gets better. Every day things are a little bit better than they were in the past, you know? On the individual level, sure, there's little things here and there, but it's a good time to be alive, man. Today is the best day. I wholeheartedly agree, man. And, you know, it's a funny thing. I know we get into those mind-bending things, but there's only one place you can ever only be, and that's right here, right now, in this very moment, this very second. That's so great. And yeah, I was going to tie it in and say, Charlie Munger, God rest his soul, always said your aim should be to go to bed a little bit wiser than when you woke up in the morning. So that's kind of something I try to take to heart, and I try to go to bed wiser when I was. So we do that by learning, right? The, and the last one I'm, I've been looking at right now, or I'm buying right now is J&J. Everybody loves a little bit of J&J. It's, it's, it's down a lot right now too. And um, this is an interesting one because when it got up into the you know mid 160s, maybe a few months ago, I actually sold a good chunk of it. And I was going to just move it all into VYM because I was like, that ETF kind of moves a lot like J&J. It's got a similar, it actually has a higher yield with a similar dividend growth record. And it's the same kind of like solid, consistent, acts well in bad times and just slowly grows. So I was like, you know what, let me just move it. They've got all this stuff with these lawsuits. Um, but then when I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, I've made that money and now it's so much lower. Maybe I can start buying it back and see how it goes because now they, I think they've got some good room to to grow that price. So it's looking better down where it is right now. And And what we've seen before is like when they actually do settle these lawsuits, even though it's a massive number, they could be paying $9 billion in settlements, but the stock price will go up. There's a lot of opportunity like ahead, above. So I think a lot of the fears are, are priced in, right? I think so too. And yeah, looking at their dividend growth, it's just crazy how this chart looks. That It's just, I, I've, it's probably the most consistent dividend growth I've ever seen or that I'm aware of over the past 60 years, they've grown it 107 years of uninterrupted dividends. Yeah, 9% 20 year CAGR and their last increase was 5.3% in April of 2023. So solid and steady. I've been accumulating. I've been buying more in our taxable account. So I finally sold out of Intel. Of course, when J&J was in the, the like 147, 148, 149, I was buying quite a bit. And I was thinking like, because I had like three grand left over and I'm still holding on to it. I was like, I should just put it all in right now. But I'm like, yeah, but next week we could be at like 142. Yeah. And then the thing went up to like 159. And I, I do a little bit of chart reading. It's kind of, you know, a little bit like astrology and looking at the chart upside down, left, right, backward, forward. It told me that uh, J&J was probably going down to the low 150s. And yeah, we're right now at $155 a share. It closed that today. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to work that out. That's one of my idiosyncrasies is that I, I get a price in my head like, okay, like 151, 152. And here we are at 153 today it went to. That's the thing with these drug companies is that you don't know what drugs in their pipeline are going to be the next blockbuster drug. So you just buy them when they're at a good yep. valuation, when you think they're cheap enough and just hold yeah. and wait. And you know, and that's exactly what I do. Like I have Merck, I have AbbVie, J&J and Amgen. I bought them when they were down in like 2021 and just hold and collect the dividend, wait for it to come back down and buy some more. So you just kind of ride the wave. But 
I don't even think about them. Like I just, I just wait till they come back down. And when they come down and if, if it's not looking good, well, oh, well, you know, you could sell, but generally they start coming back. Like you never know, like you say, you never know when one's going to just have this blockbuster drug and they just blow up. Oh, and this dude, the same thing. When you mentioned AbbVie, don't listen to people on Twitter, on stock twits, on the internet. I mean, you can take their opinion, but uh, one of the mistakes I did, and this is a lesson I had to learn, was on stock twits. I, I like stock twits. Sometimes it's it's kind of crude. It's just like a bunch of, you know, like seventh graders as if they were talking about stocks. When AbbVie purchased Allergan, they took out, you know, it looked pretty expensive at the time and I was going to buy more. The market didn't like it. The market punished them for it. Dude, they went all the way down to like 70, the mid $60 per share. And I remember this one dude on StockTwits who had a big following. I was always, I talked with him a little. He's like, man, he's like, I've seen this. He's like, this is going to like 20, 30 bucks. He's like, I might consider it there. And I was like, well, I'll add a few more. I added like two or three shares and I'd still look at it at like $66 a share. And I, now I look back, I'm like, dang it. Why, like, why wow. did I listen to this guy? Yeah, You know what I mean? So yeah. it just goes to show that people, even when they are 100% certain, Nobody knows what's going to happen. And I think that's what makes life so damn interesting, man, is nobody yeah. knows what's going to happen. And that's what, you know what, and that's what makes it so hard to buy. Like everyone says, just buy low and hold, buy low, sell high. But it's very difficult to buy when things are low because everybody's like, you're crazy. They're dead company. They're this and that and all these headwinds. Sometimes if you believe it, you just, you just got to go for it. Right. And Hey, and we're not experts here. We're, you know, we're, we're shooting from the hip here too, a little bit. So, you know, do your research, but if you know, there's a solid cut, like use some of that, um, our guy, um, what's the guy by what, you know, Peter Lynch, Peter Lynch, Peter Lynch, you know, I started out investing like completely his style without really knowing anything. Those are still some of the best picks I've ever made. Like I worked in social media, I worked in uh, search engine marketing, that sort of thing. So Facebook, I saw how great Facebook was. I saw what they were doing behind the scenes, targeting ads before people knew anything about that. So I invested, you know, in 2018. Google, I wish I would invest in Google because I saw how much the clients I was dealing with were spending on Google, but I never invested. I, I wasn't into it yet, but I would have, you know, that would have been amazing. That, and it's just like, when you have kind of that inside edge, you got to use it. It's something that not everybody has, right? And it all worked out. Everything worked out Do it buying what you know, except for that one time when you put your life savings in a blockbuster video. Right. But <laughs> he didn't do that, everybody. So speaking of that, uh, trends that you see in your uh, neck of the woods and in your, your industry over there, like, do you see anything right now that's kind of catching your attention, like got your eye? doesn't even have to be a dividend stock, just anything. I mean, uh, Google is one of my favorite stocks still. Google is incredible. They're a really well-run company. They make tons of money. They're on the cutting edge of technology. They've had some hiccups with the AI lately, but they're going to figure that out. They have so much data as far as AI goes. They've been working on AI stuff behind the scenes forever. They're really holding back. I think they've held back because they're a little, they want to go slow. They don't want to scare people with what it can do. Um, so they've kind of taken a backseat to everything that's going on. And then they try to rush into it to show, oh, no, we really do. Like they've blown it. But that's a great opportunity because the stock hasn't taken off like Microsoft has. My target is a little lower than it is right now. I've been buying that one for years and that one I've added to when the price is up. And like I bought that one in 2019, 2020 or 19, 2020, right before the crash of COVID, right? So I'm like, oh no, look how low it is. I thought I made a huge mistake. 
Turns out, you know, those I was buying it for like seventy dollars a share. Well, it was a thousand or whatever it was back then. You know, price adjusted split all that. Yeah. Yep. It, it equals like $70 now, right? So it wasn't a mistake. Like it was the right thing to do. Even like sometimes your stocks go down even after you've made the right decision. So you just got, if it's a good company, you got to stick with it. Do you think one day they pay a dividend? They should with all that cash they have, you know, and if they're they're buying back shares too and buying back shares can be just as good as a dividend. But I do, I think at some point when, you know, when they've run out of ways to reinvest their money at, and get a good return, they probably would, but you know that's probably pretty far off with with all these new advancements in AI and, and search. They can still uh, they can still make. That's kind of like what Berkshire does, right? What like Warren always says when people had asked Berkshire, him if they would ever pay a dividend, and he always say, "Well, we would either pay a lot in dividends or we're going to pay none in dividends because their litmus test." And I think a lot of companies do this: is that if they can turn a dollar into more than a dollar of value creation then why would they pay a dividend? So they'll buy back shares. They would rather do that than pay a dividend. And like he says, well, then you can just sell the shares if you need money and like there's your dividend. Yeah. So would we? Would you rather have us pay you $1 as a dividend or add, you know, two or $3 of value and then you can sell. So you're getting two or $3 as a, you know, dividend instead, but you decide when you want to sell and it's, you know, it's going to be the raging eternal debate. Not every company has a Warren Buffett, right? So companies aren't always smart with that extra cash. So a lot of times it's very beneficial to give it to us, let us decide what to do with it. And it's a nice enticement for people to invest in the stock. It's like one in the hand versus two in the bush, right? We're getting that money now. We know it's, we'll take that one. It could be bigger in the future, but it could also, you could go in the bush and those two birds could be completely gone. We'll take a little bit as you go, right? That's There's nothing wrong with that. I love it. Busting out the ASAP. We don't <laughs> go deep here. We'll go a thousand years back. Yeah. 2000 years back, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's just a lot of personal preference. And you, you made a, just a great point because- when you have CEOs, they're looking at all that cash. What can we spend it on? Right. And then you get like uh, Ultra buying, you know, forty billion dollars exactly. for Jewel. Bad acquisitions <laughs> all over the place. It happens all the time, right? So what? Uh, what's on your watch list? Are you still watching Truist Financial? That's one I don't really know a lot about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Darth Dividend always likes talking about how I I suggested that one to him during the banking crisis. It's run up a lot since the banking crisis. So I was buying it right after the banking crisis. What I'd done is I tried to make up for a mistake I made. Well, I felt like it was a mistake. I had bought a bank ETF. So of course it got destroyed. But what I did is, is sold it for tax loss and then took that the money I had and bought uh, TFC with it, Truist Financial. And so far, it's been an excellent move. It's up like 19% since then. And uh, it's even come down a few times again and given more opportunities to buy. I think it's around $35 today. I mean, can you see what it used to be? It probably used to be in the 40s, 50s. Um, yeah, it was as high as fifty dollars thirty nine right. cents, low of twenty six twenty one. Right. That was obviously early back in uh, February, but yeah, dude. So they they've got ten years of dividend growth. They're they're gonna have to raise their dividend here soon because yeah. it looks like uh, they're frozen. Yeah. They've missed two, uh, or they haven't raised when they should have two dividend payments ago. They got a little bit of wiggle room until uh, they lose that dividend growth streak. But they're already paying like right now. They're paying an over six percent yield. And my yield on cost is seven. You know, some of the things I looked at when I invested in it was with all the fear. And I started looking, okay, how's the, you know, deposit to, you know, to debt that they have and all that sort of thing. Like how, mm -hmm. how, how underwater are they on their, um, you know, their money that's locked in at low interest rates. And it wasn't too bad. How much are they into commercial real estate? It was fairly low. 
They actually even had a huge insurance side of their business, which isn't as affected by all this. And in fact, can benefit from high interest rates because they're holding a lot of cash. And and I found out they have one of the biggest insurance companies in the U.S. within them. And they actually might sell. That'll give them some more money, um, which would allow them probably to increase their dividends. So the other thing was the, the book value. You know, I've heard Warren Buffett talk about banks and you know, the, the saying was, if it's under one, the book value is under one, it's probably a good time to buy. And over two is a good time to sell. And they were at that time, and it's probably still under one. It was like near 0.5, it was somewhere between 0.5 and 0.7 uh, when I was buying at like $28, $29 a share. So I bought again at like 32. So if it comes down again, I would buy, like it's pretty close. It's 35 now, I'd buy again, in the, definitely under 30. 7% yield on cost. So like, I mean, even if they don't grow the dividend, that's, that's nice. I'd say you bought with a pretty good margin of safety there. And yeah, that's something to think about with a lot of the banks is that are they going to face depositor flight risk? And that's like the big thing, because if people want their money, then they're going to have to right cash in those the treasuries wherever they have those long term holdings, which traditionally was safe. But that's the old thing, man. That's what kills banks, right? Is if you have depositor flight, if everybody starts pulling their money out, that's when the banks fall apart. But that's an interesting one that I'm not very familiar with. So if you're watching, that might be one to uh, look into if you want to look into some banks. Yeah, and banks are always tricky, right? Because if you look over the years, some of them have not done a lot. <laughs> like you know, they're really affected by the economy and you know different laws and stuff like that so a law could come down that could just really affect how much money they make like so if they're required to hold on to a certain amount of cash and that can totally affect their revenues and that sort of stuff so it's one of those ones a lot of people avoid banks completely but i just think that crisis was a good opportunity for the right banks right there and they were one of the bigger of the regional banks too i think they were the fifth or fourth biggest bank sorry i think they're the first or second of these small banks right the regional banks good so what else uh what are you looking at here as we're wrapping up yeah my, i mean the the top stocks i'm always looking at your microsoft's google apple mastercard visa costco mcdonald's pepsi those ones are just permanent on my watch list and if the price if something wacky happens i'm buying and i've done that for years now and it's worked very well so when there's fire in the streets there's blood in the streets and you know fire in the sky those are the stocks i look for you know you should always have a watch list when the crap goes down what are you going to do and I lean on those. And then, of course, there's SCHD. I always, when the price comes down on that, I'm always buying it. It's, it's usually a, a great value. For me, it's Costco. Costco just is hit a cut the last couple of days of we're recording this, hit 52-week highs. And it's just one, my wife and I were there on Sunday. I, it was crazy, dude. It was just the parking lot was slammed. The building was slammed. Everybody was there. I mean, I was, I, and I told her, I was like, why the hell didn't I invest in this like six, seven years ago? I, I don't know. You talk about stock reading. So I was I was learning about trading in 2022 and there was a, you know, when the Ukraine-Russia war started, Costco got down to like $400. So instead of buying, I was thinking about buying, but then I was just like, whoa, I could go so much lower. I was learning how to short. And I'm like, oh, and I was trying to set up a short for Costco. Like, what was I thinking? Oof. Like, just buy it, man. Like, oh, like, I could have made a few <laughs> just bucks. buy it, hold it. Like, who called who, 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 That's what I love about what we what we do as dividend investors for the most part. You just buy and hold and you hopefully never have to sell. Like, I'm like, I can do this. 
I can buy and I can hold and just buy more if it goes lower. So what are you doing with SCHD? How much, what are you up to now? How many shares? Yeah, what so you got? We have to there? check the records. What I was at the last time I was on the show, I think I was around just over a thousand shares. And I'm at, I think the first time I was on, I was around like 500 to 600. What, six months later, I was over a thousand. And now I'm at 1,550. I haven't bought in a while since like there was a nice dip in um, October, November, and then it's been it's been steadily improving since. So when it was under 70, I was grabbing a ton because I was going to stop at 100,000 value, right? Or at least slow down. But the prices was too good to refuse. So when it was anything under 70, I mean, like just back up the truck for me, for me. <laughs> now, SCHD just paid... Uh, their dividend yesterday on Monday. So did you drip that or are you collecting those that, that dividend? to? So buy I will stuff? eventually. I hold on to it and I manually invest it when I see a good opportunity. And I mean, I, I suggest most people just drip it, like set it and forget it. Because I look at it every day and I kind of follow the patterns, I look for a good opportunity to jump in. And, you know, that might not work out for me, but it has so far. Um, it, it, you know, it tends to, to trade in a channel. And when it comes down closer to 70, that's when I would uh, reinvest it. I mean, it's only 73 something right now. But Dude, I think we could, dangerous, I think we could talk charting because I didn't buy J&J when it got up to 159 because I looked at the chart. I have a couple technical indicators yeah. I like looking at, like CCI, the Commodity Channel Index Indicator, the RSI. And I was like, the, I have the 50-day, uh, the 100-day, and the 200-day moving averages. And just looking at the chart, I was like, I think J&J is going to peter out right around 160 and come down. Sure enough, it did. And I'm looking for it to come to about 152. I think I have an order set for 151.99. Yeah. <laughs> <Are we> right <laughs> there. <laughs> I, I think I'm following a little bit of that magic voodoo witchcraft too. That's the thing about the charts because now we have so many computer algorithms in and they follow that and it kind of can be a self-fulfilling prophecy in the short run. But the thing with the chart, it's not going to tell you in five years from now what the price is going to be. So I think charting can show you like a good, you know, maybe you want to wait for a better entry point based on what the what the price recently yeah. has done. I like it. I, I look every day. I'm fascinated by it. But again, like you said, you could get too caught up into it, like thinking, no, this is what is going to happen because of the chart. And then whenever things go down, like whenever SEHD is down, people on Twitter, will the trolls will start coming out and being like, it's going to 50. It's going to 35. What are you doing? Bye. You're crazy. And I'm like, okay, okay. But it's still, you think about it too. You're like, oh, could it? Because when things are going down, it's tough. It really does feel like it's going to keep going down. But especially with an ETF, like these things tend to, to rise back because all the good stocks in there, it's going to bring the, the whole ETF up and the bad stocks will fall out and affect it less. So at the end of the day, I still buy more S&P index than anything else. Like that's my number one investment when we took a look at retirement accounts, like by far. I'm more of an ETF and chill person than, than anything. But I do like to play around with charts and these stocks when, you know, when they kind of drop, uh, try to, you know, beat the market by adding a little stock here and there, right? Have some fun. Yeah, same here. Same here. I have, uh, we have a, the bulk of our money and uh, just three mutual funds in our 401k. And then, you know, the, the what I've started sharing on the channel here, this is kind of starting to grow pretty big. And, you know, I start to worry like, man, do I really, you know, want to, that's why I started putting more into SCHD and the Roth, uh, which we can start contributing to once again, once January, uh, well, to the first, the market's closed hits, but yeah. And, you know, for those of you that are listening and watching, one of the great things about 
dripping is when you reinvest the dividends automatically is that it forces you to buy more of something when the price is low and less of it when the price is high. And you don't even have to think about it. I'm actually going to be making a video just for two people to watch for both of my daughters. If I were to get hit by the proverbial bus, what would I want them to know and do? Spoiler alert, it's, it's going to be just VTI. Just put your money into VTI. If you look at your town, buying an ETF is like instead of trying to pick an individual store or two, which you think are going to do great, when you buy the VTI or something like that, the total market, mm. it's you're buying a small little piece of every business in the town. And if one little business goes out of business, puts the for sale sign, and then somebody else comes in, like, I don't know, the new flower shop or whatever, boom, automatically you're entitled, you're going to get a piece of them. So it's just such an easy way for people that don't care to learn investing or don't want to know how to do it. You can become an automatic millionaire. And it beats, it beats so many funds and managers that you end up paying they like a small percentage might beat the market but then you end up paying them that difference anyways you know so you're no better we can all try but uh really that's the way to go <laughs> all right well so what's one thing we're gonna wrap it up with something you're watching what are you watching listening to doing that's oh, man. baby stock related what's something you like quick yeah well i, I run like crazy i'm a runner so um I'm training for it. You don't like those new on shoes, do you? No, nah, I'm not into them, no. <laughs> not into yeah, them. I, a lot of runners are saying they, they don't like them. I think they're more of a fashion trend than they are for runners. But they are getting better. I hear they're getting better for runners. And I haven't personally run in them. I just I put them on in the store and didn't love them. Like I have the brands that I like, the Nikes and the Saucony. Some people say Saucony, but uh, yeah, I love to run. So I listen to a lot of running podcasts when I'm not listening to uh, stock podcasts. Yeah. And I'm into like, um, sci-fi movies and movies and that sort of thing. And I'm trying to think of what show I'm watching right now. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm into, uh, the boys on, on prime. You ever watch that one? No, it's like, no. they're like, uh, it's like superheroes, but R rated. I think I've seen like the first season of one of them. There was one that was superheroes that like they drank and they were just not necessarily good people, yeah. but they have these super abilities. It's really smart. Like it's well-written. It's like, they're, it's all like everything they do is for marketing. So like they try to put on a good image when they're in public, but it's all their publicist runs everything and they're just complete jerks behind the scenes. And of course, some of them are good and bad and it's interesting. And then now there's a younger one where there's people in college and it's called uh, Generation V. That's the one I'm watching now. Oh, it's not for kids though. It's uh, X-rated stuff. <laughs> I might have to check that out. I appreciate it. Nice. Not X-rated, R-rated. I was going to say, it's uh, Amazon Prime's really going dark quick, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of X, uh, where can people find you? That's right. Right down there. Over here. <laughs> S-E-H-D uh, E-T-F. There you just go. search for SEHD stand. Yeah, hit him up. He'll he'll talk to you if you uh, hit him up. Find him on Twitter. Give him a follow. And yeah, you have any parting words till next time? Yeah, just uh, keep holding on, man. You know, people come to me about SEHD all the time. Oh, is this going to get back? Is what's going to happen? What's the future hold? And I just say, you know, in ten years, it's going to be worth a lot more than it is today. Don't don't worry about it that much. There it is. We'll leave it there, man. Thank you so much for coming on again. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you once more sometime down the line in the future. Always look forward to it. Thank you. All right. See all y'all in the next video.